0: You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network, hosted by Blake Murphy Seven. All about your Arizona Cardinals is another week and another loss for the Arizona Cardinals, this time at home against the Los Angeles Chargers we got plenty to talk about here on this latest edition of the Revenge of the Birds podcast. We'll get into some of the game, talk a little bit about just what to expect with the bye week, uh, cover a little bit of the details that we saw on Hard Knocks, but most importantly talk about the future of the Arizona Cardinals. And a few words from a former Cardinal as well that... Maybe there's a bit of merit to them. Uh, let's go over and first talk a little bit, of course, about um, some excellent news that we've got coming up. So we're actually nearing, with the Revenge of the Birds podcast, a 200th episode. We'll have a nice little giveaway, at least for listeners, during that time. Should have a special guest on for that show as well. Appreciate you guys for coming in and being able to listen. Uh, but let's at least talk about what we see from the Arizona Cardinals here against the, uh, almost said San Diego here. Los Angeles Chargers. And what we saw essentially was bad. And this game wasn't necessarily a bad game, I think you could argue. The Arizona Cardinals played their best game maybe of the season outside of, talk about the end of the Raiders game, and talk of course about the blowout win of the New Orleans Saints. This was a tough one for Cardinals fans. The Wood The way that it's been described, the phrase that's been used is finding a new way to lose. And maybe some of it is not even the Cardinals themselves losing it. Maybe some of it is you just have to complement the job uh, that the Chargers did, down multiple players on the offensive line. Look at Justin Herbert putting up some 300-plus yards of total offense with 275 passing yards, three touchdowns, rushing for 38 yards. The Chargers could not move the ball out. He also had Keenan Allen, didn't even lead the team in receiving. It was DeAndre Carter, who had a nice long uh, catch for a touchdown. Justin Herbert's made guys be able to play with DeAndre Carter, Joshua Palmer, these small guys out of nowhere. Meanwhile, your Arizona Cardinals, they've got DeAndre Hopkins. They finally have Marquise Brown yet. They end up getting, for the most part, outperformed by the Los Angeles receiving core. Butts. The rushing defense of the Los Angeles Chargers is bad. Now some of the Cardinals were able to exploit. They had 181 rushing yards as a team. James Conner having his season high, getting about almost five yards a carry. And that comes into play, unfortunately, with one of the Cardinals' calls. It really at least boils down to, when you look at this franchise, the Chargers have been able to figure out ways to win close games. Sometimes they will lose close games, such as on a kick or on a decision we saw plenty of times a year ago where Brandon Staley, the head coach of the Chargers, go in front on fourth down all the time. Cliff Kingsbury, same type of guy. But in this regard, what we really saw ultimately for the Cardinals was they took the lead in the second half, and even you could say going into ultimately that fourth quarter, that fourth quarter let them down. That fourth quarter, they let their fans down who stayed. At the end of the day, the Cardinals end up dropping a close game by one point. This was my second best chance for the Cardinals to win the game this season. Not to say that they won't, but the easiest one was the Rams game. The Rams game, they had probably a good chance to be the favorites in that game. You're going up against an awful Rams team. Their backup quarterback, John Wolford, is in there. You know at least that you're going to get decent play from Colt McCoy. This was the other one because that Chargers rushing defense is not good. They've cut their first-round pick, Jerry Tillery. They've really struggled without having um, the likes of Joey Bosa on the field. He went to IR. And the rest of their schedule maybe lines up where maybe we should be talking about the Chargers as a playoff team at 6-5 and with some weak teams left to play in the AFC. But ultimately what Arizona at least did was they came out and you really seem to talk about just how the Cardinals never seem to be able to play a complete game. They weren't able to put the Chargers away, even from their first drive of the game. Move 37 yards downfield, James Conner with an 18-yard pickup. And they end up having a ball that's fumbled. So how does the defense respond? Force a punt, three and out on the very next play. Justin Herbert gets sacked by Cam Thomas. Even the way the game started off with a punt where J.J. Watt having his best season statistically in quite some time, especially with sacks. Cardinals go down, are able to get a touchdown, followed by a field goal. They're up 10-0. You're probably thinking this could have been 17-0, if the Cardinals had managed just to keep driving down and not fumble the ball over. You then end up seeing them give the ball right back with an interception, at least, from a deep pass for DeAndre Hopkins on fourth and one, going for it. And this is where you kind of have seen. The Cardinals have gone through. You see the Chargers rushing... Attack! They've given up 18 yards to James Conner. Give up another 4 yards to James Conner. Give up 8 yards to James Conner. They come out on the very next series They take a deep shot to DeAndre Hopkins. You pick up pretty close to first down, at least with Marquise Brown. Breaks a tackle. And on third and one, you run Kyler Murray. You don't hand it off to James Conner. And that's one thing I think with the Cardinals that we saw this last year against the Panthers as well. We saw this against the Niners. It's almost like you can't just line up part of your identity in James Conner, a guy who, when you run the ball with him in one yard to go, he either gets it on third and one, or you know, hey, try to stop it on fourth and one. I know Tim Ring, who's been on the, the ROTB pod, has said the Cardinals don't run hard. I should say they don't run any real quarterback sneaks under center. Now, there's other teams that don't as well. You can look at, obviously, Patrick Mahomes. He gets hurt on a quarterback sneak a couple years ago. But it does really feel kind of like the Cardinals ultimately are limited to either having to snap the ball and shotgun or you're looking at a Kyler Murray type of bootleg handoff up the middle. The key, of course, is that you need to have that go to James Conner. And as Kyler even said after the game that the Chargers seemed to know it was coming, is I think what he implied when he said that they were schematically censored. Chargers are playing the run pass option, forcing essentially the pass, loading up the numbers inside, but on the rubber out that they had that was lined up for the likes of one. This is maybe a spot at least of just where you talk about coaching here. Plays designed for Trey McBride in the flats. If the read you don't hand it off, hand it off to James Conner up the middle, you at least have options. It's one of the things that you do with Kyler Murray, but in this case, Chargers bring a blitz and a man comes down to cover at the last second. Essentially, you knew that if the Cardinals are going to be running an RPO, we load up numbers in the box. We know then that they will take a shot over here to the flats. So just before that ball gets snapped, you run up over there and force it where that makes a difficult play because you can then tackle Trey McBride right at that yard and they will not gain. Kyler instead ends up pointing at Hopkins, who's running upfield, trying to run a bit of interference. And some blamed Hopkins for the route. I think it was overall the Chargers defense was prepared for a play that Arizona was going to do. Because out of all the options that Arizona had, they either will not lean into that identity that they have or that they are just not able to properly self-scout enough that when teams are able to see some of these situations in football, these fourth and ones, these gotta have it type of rushing downs in the fourth quarter, they just seem to have their number so that pass gets intercepted by Derwin James. People said James should have knocked it down. That was at the Arizona 34. He goes all the way to the Chargers 44. doesn't end up mattering. They give up a, t- a touchdown to the Chargers. Cardinals come back in, score another touchdown before the half to James Conner, simply just running the ball down their throats. They can't connect on a deep pass for the most part, but you end up seeing at least for the most part, picking up uh, multiple panel- uh, multiple, I should say, drives at least having a Chargers penalty with too many men on the field, the quick substitutions. You can at least see some of the Cardinals playing hard, seeing how Arizona is able to structure at least their offense and how it can pay off at times. I get that pass connection to Hopkins. They end up driving down and get over to the LA 12-yard line, have that nice pass to Marquise Brown, second and three from the five. Kyler Murray, 15 yards back, runs it in. And then what happens? Then you talk about, can you put a team away or will you be able to not make enough mistakes to get back in, let the opponent get back into the game? And and normally you'd say that in the third quarter, the Cardinals probably succeeded at that. They scored a touchdown, but they drove down the field, but a missed field goal they had from 44 yards out, something that has plagued the Cardinals this year, allowed the Chargers to tie. And then when Arizona scored another touchdown with a James Connor, I believe at least in, Uh, Pass from second and goal ends up just running kind of a little bit of a wheel route, gets past the other defender, finds that nice gap, breaks a tackle to get into the end zone. You have a punt fest. You're talking about all the Cardinals need to do is get a field goal. They'll be up by 10 points. They'll be good to go. And instead you see a total gained of nine plays for 16 yards, nine plays for 16 yards. Now, one of those, at least, was a short drop pass by Trey McBride that was dropped on second and 11. You can maybe talk at least about how James Conner is able to pick up most of the yards. Maybe the Cardinals could have been aggressive. No, it's fourth and two from your 14. You're going to have to punt. The Cardinals' defense is able to stand, force a three-play drive. Cardinals on their next series. But all right, we tried going and being able to see if we can get a little bit of a run-pass option going. Let's try to see what we can do again. James Conner runs the ball. Short pass to Hopkins, incomplete. Trey McBride. There was the drop, at least, they were talking about. And yet you still see your defense force a point and then the Cardinals. And this is kind of the place where it all seemed to fall apart. Cardinals at least are flanked out the middle. They try to run it up, take some time off the clock. Chargers use a timeout. Kyler Murray gets sacked in second and ten. It's more of an obvious passing situation. They don't have any type of other play scheduled. Now, third and 16, you just check it down to James Conner and punt it back, and you've only taken 19 seconds off the clock. And it just was the place where Christian Matthew has the penalty, at least. Chargers only needed to go about 38 yards for the touchdown. And when they went for two, you have a tired defense that's not prepared, it's not ready. And you see again that close situational football comes back to bite them where they run up to the line. They see the Cardinals are in man, run a quick little kind of rub route. See two guys get to go and follow Austin Eckler on a play and suddenly the game is over. Kyler and company with 11 seconds left aren't even able to get close enough to take a Hail Mary shot. And it just feels like that this is the kind of what the Cardinals team when you're looking at is even when they seem to play some of their best football. There are these clutch errors that have been made that make you really question at least how many of the players on the team are able to know how to finish in the clutch. But it more makes you kind of question if the coaching staff is getting out coached. And I think in this situation, you can at least say that the times when they were out coached were the most critical times that they couldn't afford to be. For a two point conversion, for a fourth quarter closing drive, where as soon as they take away your ability to hand the ball off to James Conner, you suddenly can't adjust. And you can credit the Chargers, Justin Herbert, not giving up. Some people are even crediting the Chargers because. They're hoping to tank at least that the Cardinals can move on from their coaching staff, and I don't know if they will or not, but I can say at least that after a game like this on Sunday, falling to 4-8, and what could have been a 5-7 and type of season, keeping some of those hopes alive, you could see how drained Arizona was after that game in the locker room. You could just feel kind of that this was a game that they knew they could win. I kind of let it up. I even said, like, after the game, it's like you almost couldn't even look at a Denny Green. <laughs> like, oh, you want to crown him? Crown him. He let him off the hook. That is basically what you did. And if you're a Cardinals fan who's at home, you're looking at this team that's gone 1-10 in in their last 11 home games. A team that's last home win before that Saints game was all the way a year ago, back when the team was undefeated, going up against the Houston Texans. And so I don't know what's going to be expected for this Cardinals team, but I can tell you this. The upcoming schedule, despite the bye, isn't getting any easier. They play a Patriots team that's also coming off of their own mini bye, which means that it's not that you're going to have necessarily more rest. You'll have four days more rest. You go up against a Broncos team, at least, and then you're playing against the Buccaneers and Tom Brady, who... While they've struggled and may not make the playoffs this year, have one of the best defenses in the NFL. The Falcons, for the most part, seem to have still been in it as far as their division. We'll see how it is for that. That's a road game before you finish on the road again against the 49ers, who may be playing the Cardinals for that spot. Not just in the playoffs, but potentially in winning the division with perhaps a 2-3 seed on the line. That's something that's going to be very difficult, I think, for fans, because this is a Cardinals team that if they end up losing games down the stretch and finish with four wins, it will be a worse outcome in showing than we saw in that 2012 season. Now, I think that they can still win one more game. I think they will probably win one more game. I don't know where that game will be. And I felt pretty confident that they could have a shot to beat the Chargers this week. And they kind of let them off the hook. All right, I'll talk a little bit after this just about Hard Knocks, as well as reach out a little bit with the Patrick Peterson news, which, of course, every time Patrick Peterson gets in the news, you know, toxicity is going to be involved. That'll be here next on this shorter edition of the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Welcome back to the Revenge of the Birds podcast. All right, so we've talked about the Cardinals. We talk a little bit upcoming. Next week, we'll probably have a few guests on. We'll preview the Patriots game, preview the rest of the season. And I haven't said the two words yet that I think a lot of people are wanting me to talk about. I might as well. It's come up on Arizona Sports. It's come up on, with Mike Jarecki even saying something that's there. It's come up with pretty much everyone is talking about Sean Payton. Some people even called this game against the Chargers the Sean Payton Bowl. I think the question that comes up for the most part is, What teams will be hiring a head coach by the end of the season? Because you truly do not know until the season is over. I like to think of when everyone thought that the Indianapolis Colts and their owner, Jim Ursay was going to be firing, if not his general manager, then at least his head coach in Chuck Pagano. And what happened instead was a multi-year extension. Now, the Cardinals are coming off of a winning season unlike the Colts. We've seen Michael Bidwell move on from guys before, moving on from Ken Wisenhunt, moving on from the likes of uh, Steve Wilkes after a year, moving on from Denny Green. But the one thing the Arizona Cardinals that people have wondered and questioned about isn't even necessarily whether they'll move off from a coach, because I think that most people agree eventually at some point things will change. And I think there's some of you who may not believe that out there. There's some fans who believe that Steve Kime's got a lifetime contract extension. Steve Kime is going to be here forever. Cliff Kingsbury, they'll pay off that contract. They only got out of Steve Wilkes because they really wanted to bring in an offensive guy to get a new quarterback with. Well, I'm here to tell you that I think that Michael Bidwell is a little more than what people are saying they are. But I understand the concern because the last time the Cardinals were hiring coaches... They got maybe their fourth option in Steve Wilkes in 2018. They got multiple people turning down that job in the 2019 hiring cycle. And so a lot of people are worried that if Sean Payton is considering several teams, and I think at least right now there are some teams that you can eliminate from that conversation. I think you can eliminate the Carolina Panthers, not just because of the potential of draft compensation that would have to be sent. And a team saying, that we're we're not doing that in our division. But the Panthers are probably going to be getting a new quarterback this year. And they're probably going to be getting a guy who's an offensive coordinator. And if I had to guess, I'd say that the Eagles OC, Shane Steichen, makes a lot of sense for the Panthers. Uh, That was something that was also reported by uh, Ben Albright, a friend of a pod. And he has usually been on the nose with a lot of these interests. Remember, he was one of the first ones who talked about Wilkes as a hot name. Part of it seemed to make a lot of sense, given the fact that it was someone that Michael Bidwell and Steve Kahn could kind of agree on. And the Panthers being able to have a pretty high pick means that they're the team that probably needs a quarterback more than any other team that's going to be also picking just as high. At least, currently, you would assume. A Cardinals, I don't see at least being in a spot where they would move on from their quarterback, even if they do get a pick. I don't think they'll be picking high enough for one where it would even justify any sort of trading a quarterback who, at least for the most part, is a known if needing to be more developed, arguably product in Kyler Murray, whose production will probably put him in the Cardinals ring of honor. If we're being honest about their quarterback situation, if he plays for at least a few more years. I think that you can rule out at least a team like the Detroit Lions because it's really hard to see Sean Payton going and taking over. If they do move on from Dan Campbell, boy, I don't see him trying to follow up with one of his own guys versus preferring and stumping for someone like Dan Campbell. I think the Lions offensive coordinator, on the other hand, is going to be getting some jobs or some looks. take a look at the Indianapolis Colts and look at their quarterback situation with an aging Mount Ryan issues with their talents. As far as being able to have a team that is developed and able to win in the NFL, they've got some similar issues to the Cardinals, but they don't have the same star players that the Cardinals have. Maybe that changes next year. When you look at DeAndre Hopkins needing to be able to get a new contract, Hollywood Brown wanting to be paid. J.J. Watt being a free agent, reworking your offensive line and defensive lines. But the Colts, they don't have anywhere near the complement of Arizona skill players. They have a lot more needs, and one of those biggest needs is quarterback. And while they're picking currently right after the Cardinals, there's a chance that they may not need to hop that many teams. look at the way that the rest of the teams in the NFL are structured, and even with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady's a free agent after this season. He chooses to come back. It's really difficult to see Tom Brady being able to go to another team, at least, take over that's prime-made, ready to roll. And even more than that, the Miami Dolphins, at least, were in the news with Sean Payton and the likes of one. (laughs) Uh, Tom Brady, at least, I, I don't see that pairing happening anymore simply due to the potential lawsuit and tampering charges that were, of course, talked about last year infamously by the former Dolphins head coach, Brian Flores. Talk about the Raiders and Derek Carr. It seems like that's not necessarily the type of situation that I could see Sean Payton going to. They were able to lure John Gruden, but after how everything turned out with Gruden, and given the... the play caller Josh McDaniels is, you gotta think at least the Raiders may be one of those teams that does it a little differently. Also, there's no way that Sean Payton's gonna be going to the Denver Broncos. So that really ends up leaving three teams, I think, that are possibilities. And most people would say, too, it would be the Chargers if Brendan Staley keeps failing. If you see Justin Herbert at least keep taking hits. If you end up seeing how their team seems like they should have more wins than they do and they don't make the playoffs again for the second year. It's very similar to the Cardinals. Difficult owners who are not really strongly entrenched in the league as far as being amongst the greatest owners or the richest owners. Teams that have a young quarterback, who's going to basically be extended regardless, who have some skilled players around them. They're very similar. But there's another dark horse, I think, that is worst case scenario for Cardinals teams. And that's why I think it'd be the one that if I had to pick one team right now that scares me the most, it would be the Los Angeles Rams. And some of you may think I'm crazy. Some of you may be like looking at that situation going, look at this. You've got Cooper Cup. You've got a beat up Stafford who's not even playing. who has got back issues. 30, 34 years old. We've got Aaron Donald saying that he could retire if he doesn't get a contract to come back. You're talking about a complete retool of your offensive, defensive lines, not to mention your secondary. Allen Robinson's been a highly paid bust for them so far. Van Jefferson's been hurt this year, although it's decent. You were also talking about not having any draft picks for next year and missing draft picks for the year after. And this is a team that still wanted to go out and offer two first-round picks for Brian Burns. There's a team that essentially is trying to make use of a window because I think as soon as that window dries up, could easily see Sean Mejai becoming the next Bruce Arians, the next Sean Payton. Take a step back for a year, go into the media, wait for the perfect opportunity to arise, and then come back out. So that leaves, I think, though, the Rams would be scary because if you end up with an owner who's willing to kind of splash some cash, who's able to say, hey, We still have a veteran quarterback. You can go back for a couple years. We'll be able to make sure that we sign guys for the most part. We'll trade for other talent if we need it. That would then put you at a disadvantage because as the Cardinals, you'd be trying to figure out who the heck are you going to be trying to bring in to right this ship if you do move on from Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime. You you may not be able to. But I think the Chargers make a lot of sense given that Justin Herbert, as far as quarterbacks go, He's still in, people call him a prototypical pocket pass, but really all he is is he's a larger version of Kyler Murray and one who uh, has played through a lot of injuries and a lot of hurt. And he's a bigger guy. He's also in maybe a bit more of a traditional offense than Murray. Does He takes more snaps under center. But I think that at the end of the day, Cardinal fans can hope for is that the Chargers' schedule lines up well enough that it's not even an option for Sean Payton. Then it comes down to Michael Bidwell because the Chargers' schedule, if you look at what games they have coming up, they've got some very winnable games. They play a hapless Raiders team, which has come on strong with running the ball, and that would be an interesting case if they end up going back to six and six after Uh, the Raiders rush for three hundred plus yards this past Sunday. They play a Dolphins team that seems bound to beat them, a Titans team. Which seems that it could basically run them over as well, given what we've seen. But listen to how they close. They play the Colts. They play the Rams. They play the Broncos. If they can knock off the Raiders on Sunday, you could be talking about a Chargers team finishing four and two, and ending up with a ten and six record, and being that seventh and last playoff team in the AFC. And In that scenario, you're going to find out probably just what Michael Bidwell is made of because does Sean Payton wait for the Chargers to lose, potentially fire their coach, and then see about taking a job like that? Or does Sean Payton just decide he's not going to interview with any teams then? Does Sean Payton decide that he would rather not coach for another year than take on this Cardinals job? And maybe he uses this Cardinals job simply as leverage, a means of being able to Do what Andy Reid did and move to what he feels is a more coach-friendly organization that doesn't have as much owner interference. Versus doing the one thing that most Cardinals fans hope, which is come in and essentially be that guy who can take their franchise from being good every couple of years to being one that is able to take advantage of having a young quarterback under contract and build an actual culture that's able to change the team. I don't know folks about that. We'll see. There's going to be obviously lots more questions, but I think if you take a look right now at whose seat would be hottest in the NFL, you're looking at two people. You're looking at Broncos head coach, Nathan uh, Nathaniel Hackett. You're looking at Cliff Kingsbury. And a lot of people have said that you're probably looking at Steve Keim as well, because if Steve Keim went out and was able to be part of the hire for Cliff Kingsbury, it was part of the hire for Steve Wilkes. And you're already talking about having to move on from another coach. Then, the issue may come down to where Michael Bidwell, and this is something I think that was interesting because I thought this as well, I don't think that selling the team is something that the Bidwell family will ever consider, but there is one avenue that Michael Bidwell, if he wants to prove once and for all that he is not just necessarily wanting to make progress, but wanting to demonstrate at least that he's not going to you know, either micromanage as much or some of the concerns that people have had. And it's that currently he's the team president. Now, if you wanted to talk about selling a fan base, you could sell a fan base on bringing a coach like Sean Payton in, accepting some of the sunk costs of Kingsbury and Kyme, knowing that you're going to be riding your ship enough with a new deal that there's no way Sean Payton's gone after one or two years. And if he did retire, you'd probably be talking about him having to give some of that money back. So in the end of the day, though, Sean Payton, he may want his own GM. So what would be the solution? So I've talked about move on to an Adrian Wilson type at general manager. See if you make it work. Keep stuff internal. Michael at least can have some familiarity. You don't have to necessarily clean out all of the people. Make it where it's essentially you and a bunch of strangers. You could go down the avenue looking at what the Phoenix Suns just did in promoting James Jones to not just their general manager, but their general manager and team president. A position that he is showing that he can run more of the organization than just the talent acquisition and player contract structures, that rather than just being over one part, he's going to be over other areas such as marketing and other places as well. You could look at that and say that that is the exact model that we want for the Cardinals. You could say we get an experienced head coach that comes in, who's got a proven track record, who's got a Super Bowl ring, not just as an assistant coach, but as a head coach. They get to bring in someone like maybe a Jeff Ireland who's working with the Saints as their general manager. They get to maybe bring in someone who they had as a talent scout who could be maybe more of a cap guy. And you could still see Adrian Wilson instead of that guy who gets promoted to a general manager, which is, again, a a finicky type of role that we've seen teams have either been keeping their general managers for the long haul or have been um, pretty much moving on from them every so often. You could keep a as a lifetime Cardinal by having him be moved up as the team president. Michael Bidwell still gets to be involved as he wants to be as the owner. But he would at least be able to say, I'm taking a step back from overseeing all of these duties. And I think that that is probably the best answer for Arizona to pursue. And I'll say that because this is the unfortunate nature of, I have a guy who say, I like Cliff Kingsbury, but there's been an unfortunate area where you can at least see that it feels like, and I said this last year, that they may have been tapped out a bit. It's hard to overcome injuries that you can see like that. It really is. Your offensive line gets dinged up, but I think the way that the team has been built and the way that the offense has been structured, Kyler Murray is not progressing the way he needs to progress to be able to win games in the NFL and win games long-term. We've seen how Russell Wilson, after having a team which had an elite defense that had a solid run game, had a good offensive line, But most of that went away. Russell Wilson improved as a passer and kept the Seahawks intact. But at around 32, 33, 34, that dropped off. And you've seen some older quarterbacks be able to move to either different systems or get developed further and thrive in the back half of their careers, being able to make playoffs multiple times, being able to be a contender. You're thinking of Tom Brady Bucks and the Aaron Rodgers Packers before this season. That's something I think Cardinals fans are hoping for rather than this idea of this Cliff Kyler-Trio together forever and having to kind of burn the whole bridge down. Seeing if you can use the quarterback and have the quarterback be the guy that lands the head coach. Similar to how when you were able to get the likes of Devin Booker, getting a bit of talent around him with Mikael Bridges and DeAndre Ayton, and being able to land that experienced head coach. That's, I think, the ticket, at least for this Cardinals team. All right, let's wrap up the show here today, um, talk a little bit at least about uh, Patrick Peterson. Good old Patrick Peterson. Goes on at least his podcast, which is called the All Things Covered Pod. And he talks at least a little bit about one Kyler Murray. He talks at least and says on the podcast, we we're saying with Arizona, with Kyler Murray, how is, uh, people are reacting to him. And he says, Kyler Murray don't care about nobody but Kyler Murray. And... This kind of in the narrative for Murray ever since he entered the league. You think of the Charlie Casserly leaks that came through. You think of a lot of other sources that came through as far as for people questioning him, other talk. And it's pretty easy to paint this picture of this super athletic running quarterback who doesn't put in the time to watch film, who plays video games all the time and is just kind of able to go out there and wing it. And that's kind of that Johnny Manziel type narrative. And that's been something that's kind of related all the way back to Cliff Kingsbury. And even Johnny Menzel himself has admitted that. Now, Kyler, of course, comes out, speaks against Patrick Peterson, at least, that if he felt like a big bro or mentor, he was supposed to call him versus drag him. And to be honest, whenever we've seen Patrick Peterson go up and talk negatively about the Cardinals in the past, it wasn't last year when the Vikings were struggling and fired their head coach, but it is this year, and I say credit to Patrick Peterson for, at 32 years of old, having one of his best seasons. Now, the Vikings also now are not playing this man cover scheme. They are playing these essentially deep coverage, let teams get a bunch of yards, let them go drive down the field. But they are getting turnovers at a crazy margin. And that's part of what Patrick Peterson spent as a ball hawk. In some cases, it almost kind of makes Steve Wilkes look like he was maybe a year or two ahead of the curve. And that's good for Patrick. But as some people have said is whenever you look at drama or you look at Patrick Peterson saying Kyler Murray doesn't care about anyone but himself. And then amending that statement to say, oh, hold on, I I don't have any beef with him. Oh, yeah, I meant was you got to carry yourself a certain way. If you're having bad body language, moping, what kind of energy is, is that? That's not putting the team first. Well, that's 2020 Kyler Murray. That's 2021 Kyler Murray, right? Kyler Murray this year has been a guy who's come back to the bench, who's at least been able to go and talk to teammates Someone, at least, who's been able to, at times, of course, yelled at his coach, yelled at some of the other guys. You've seen that intensity. You don't see this type of moping Kyler. Now, bad body language, I mean, you can say, hey, Tom Brady cares about Tom Brady, but people don't care because about winning. And that's really, I think, what it comes down to. That when you are a winner, people can kind of gloss over stuff. That's part of why Deshaun Watson, unfortunately, got paid such a great contract is. Because even though he's won about as many games as Kyler Murray has, he still made the playoffs and has been a winner since he came in at Clemson. And so Patrick Peterson said, hey, reach out to him. These mannerisms are alarming. You know, I'm just, I'm the one who's only afraid of telling. And it turns out that when you look at the end of the day, Patrick Peterson didn't really even say that much about Kyler Murray as much as he talked about himself saying, hey, I see this. This is the problem. We all see this stuff. Cursing at all these people. You see it every time it's on television. There's a lot of things I think at least that can pop up. And for me, I think the question that I've wondered is, is there a spot where Carson Wentz and Kyler Murray are maybe a little closer than we'd like to think? And I think I've said in the past, I probably would have said no, but I think I'm saying I'm open to the possibility, but not quite yet ready to go there. Because we've only seen Kyler Murray right now with the structure of Cliff Kingsbury, Steve Kaim. And it goes as the offensive line goes. That's just kind of how it's been for the Cardinals, and that's kind of how it can be for a lot of quarterbacks. Is sometimes they'll cover for their offensive line. Sometimes the offensive line can't cover enough for them. But at the end of the day, I think what comes down to, at least, is that Patrick Peterson and a lot of this drama that has come up, a lot of this negativity towards Arizona, I think that a lot of it's going to stay and stick around until the Cardinals can at least figure out what the issue and problem is. I think most fans at least believe that a lot of that centered around maybe not even Michael Bidwell, but Steve Kime and the way that he's dealt with stuff before. It's unfortunate, but it is one of the cases that you have to be able to make is that the Cardinals need to be able to get leadership and perhaps just a fresh face at that spot. Now, Let's talk a little bit with Hard Knocks. There wasn't that much. I felt like this was a better episode than episode three. We'll probably talk more about it. I think at least we're going to have one of our uh, Revenge of the Birds writers will come on. We can talk a little bit more about that as well in a few further podcasts. And so we'll be covering plenty throughout the bye week. But I think this episode showed a little bit more insight into Kyler Murray. We we got to see at least also a little bit more of not just celebrating with his teammates, talking with players, about how much energy it seemed to bring to practice when he came back in. And I think that a lot of this narrative that's popped up you connect the dots together. You look a little bit at where the media people are saying stuff from. And you say, hey, we trust Colt McCoy uh, as far as the Cardinals go. This is through John Gambadoro. He's got his sources that are there direct, at least I think, from places in Arizona high up. And you look at the NFL broadcast, them basically kind of tossing Kyler a little under the bus and talking about Colt's leadership, the quick decision making before that Niners game, in which they lose 31, or should I say 38 to 10. But hey, Colt was a leader, right? Well, they had those interceptions and couldn't move the ball. And I think a lot of this is just the chaos that's inside of the Cardinals is because I think that there's just a lot of emotional decision-making that's coming from a very emotional center, either from Michael Bidwell or from Steve Kyeim. And I think that that information is what's getting out. And what does it look like? It looks idiotic. Because it is. You go out there and say, hey, we think Colt McCoy is the best guy for Arizona right now. John Gabbador at least echoes some of that. The NFL broadcast crew even echoes those words. And then you look at see Kyler Murray come back and go, ah, instead of losing by four touchdowns, we lost by one point. Hmm. You know, I, I know that the Chargers aren't necessarily as good as the San Francisco 49ers, but it pretty much kind of clears up for the most part that you can at least understand the value that a quarterback brings to a team. And you can at least understand how depressing it is when a lot of players at least are able to see all of this emotional back and forth, just essentially kind of decision-making that's blind and not a lot of patience that's been given. Or in some cases, perhaps trust given to the wrong spot. The Cardinals essentially decided to trust Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury before they trusted Kyler Murray and could have made it a simple looping all three of them together. But they didn't, and that's what Michael Bidwell is going to have to figure out. Michael Bidwell is going to have to figure out once and for all, and that issue is going to start with seeing how the Cardinals come off their bye week, seeing what kind of new news pops up, whether it's Patrick Peterson or another coach being moved in. All that stuff is airing on Hard Knocks, and while Hard Knocks is definitely taking a lot more of the side of showing the Cardinals' place of this, You can definitely see a lot of chinks in the armor. Especially after the game on Sunday wrapped up. We'll see if more of that comes up through the season or if Hard Knocks continues to be Soft Knocks. That'll be something we'll follow up. Thanks again for tuning in. Uh, This has been a fun podcast to host this year, despite all the ups and mostly downs for the cards. Be having a couple guests on as well next week, talking at least during the bye week, doing some other previews, summing up the season thus far. And of course, yes, we're talking about the future of the Cardinals including the potential mock draft opportunities for them for the season. I know, I know. But draft season already for the cards. We'll be going over all that Revenge of the Birds podcast. Thanks for tuning in again. You can find us at Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. You can also look at places like Spotify, uh, places like Stitcher Radio, Himalaya, all of there for you to listen to. Thanks again for tuning in, and go Cardinals!